Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. This is Pastor Julie, and we are on our fifth In the Dinner with Jesus series, and today we are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, 7 through 20. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us, that we may eat it. They asked him, Where do you want us to make preparations for it? Listen, he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs already furnished. Make preparations for us there. So they went and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is poured out, that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The date, July 20th, 1969. The event, the first moon landing. The story, as follows. Buzz Aldrin was an elder at his Presbyterian church in Texas, and knowing that he would soon be doing something unprecedented in human history, he felt he should mark the occasion somehow, and he asked his minister to help him. So the minister consecrated a communion wafer and a small vial of communion wine, and Buzz Aldrin took them with him out of the Earth's orbit and onto the surface of the moon. He and Neil Armstrong had only been on the lunar surface for a few minutes when Aldrin made the following public statement. This is the LM pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever and wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his or her own way. He then ended radio communication, and there on the silent surface of the moon, 250,000 miles from home, he read a verse from the Gospel of John, and he took communion. Here is his own account of what happened. In the radio blackout, I opened the little plastic packages which contained the bread and the wine. I poured the wine into the chalice our church had given me. In the one-sixth gravity of the moon, the wine slowly curled and gracefully came up the side of the cup. Then I read the scripture, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whosoever abides in me will bring forth much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I ate the tiny wafer and swallowed the wine. I gave thanks for the intelligence and spirit that had brought two young pilots to the sea of tranquility. 
It was interesting for me to think the very first liquid ever poured on the moon and the very first food eaten there were the communion elements. And of course, it's interesting to think that some of the first words spoken on the moon were the words of Jesus Christ, who made the earth and the moon, and who, in the immortal words of Dante, is himself the love that moves the sun and other stars. That certainly was a very special and holy communion meal. Maybe you know other stories when communion was unique or special, when it gave you a rush of joy or you felt the Holy Spirit in a new way. Communion is the meal that Christ has given us. This meal and its elements are the means of grace God uses to nourish and strengthen us for the journey of faith, to remind us who and whose we are. I was reading thoughts on this special and sacred meal, and the question was asked, if your church never served communion again, would you miss it? How would your church be different? Would anything change at all? As we continue this series on Dinner with Jesus, we come to the one meal we can eat with Jesus even today. Our claim is that he is especially present in the communion meal. But what does this meal mean to us? What did Jesus want it to be for us? Does communion have to make us feel anything to give us the benefits Christ promises for us? Let's take a look. The Last Supper or the meal Jesus had with his disciples on the night he was arrested, his last meal on earth, hence the name Last Supper, is actually the first time the meal we call Holy Communion was celebrated. To understand even a part of what this meal means to us today, we have to look at what Jesus was doing in that Last Supper with his disciples. Just before Luke records this supper, he reports that the Pharisees were looking for a way to put Jesus to death. And verse 3 tells us, Then Satan entered into Judas, who was one of the twelve. Judas goes and speaks to the Pharisees. They agree to give him money, and Judas looks for an opportunity to betray him when no one was around. This is important because in this passage we hear the echo of Christ's temptation in the wilderness, when after his triumph over Satan's schemes, Luke says, when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. For Luke, this has come for full circle. This is that opportune time, that opportunity, and Satan will try to use Judas to stop Jesus. Jesus is well aware of Satan's presence and his schemes. He has been telling the disciples from the beginning of his ministry that this time would come. But Jesus, knowing what is happening, selects a meal as the way to mark their last moments together. It's interesting that Luke is really keen to make sure we know this meal is the Passover meal. Five times in these few verses, he uses the word Passover, so we won't forget. Why is it important to him that we know this is the Passover meal? Remembering God's mighty acts when the first Passover occurred is an important foundation for understanding this Last Supper. The first Passover was a night of death and terror for the Egyptians, as all the firstborn in their land were struck down by God's angel of death. But it was a night of rejoicing for the Israelites that had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts because the angel of death passed over their homes. This was their night of salvation as they left their slavery and were led to freedom through the Red Sea. 
they passed over from slavery to new life. God gave them the command to eat this meal every year to remember what God had done for them. It was the blood of the lamb that saved them, one life given for another. They were to eat it and be thankful. This last supper, being the Passover meal, looks back on that first Passover, reminding all who eat it of the mighty power of God to save, to give life through death. As they eat this Passover meal, this last supper, Jesus is sharing a meal of grace that not only looks back at God's supreme power in the first Passover, but looks forward to the events about to happen. Once again, God will bring salvation through the death of the Passover lamb. God's mighty power to save will be seen through the death of his perfect lamb, his only son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. Through his death, all humanity, not just the Israelites, will find freedom, be set free from our slavery to sin. But God's grace won't end there. This Passover lamb, this Passover lamb will rise again to new life to set us free from the power of death. Through his life, death, and resurrection, we have true salvation. We are called to new life through the blood of the lamb and an empty tomb. This is why we celebrate Good Friday and Easter. Both were necessary to overcome Satan's schemes and reveal God's power to the world. But even with all that, why did Jesus choose food as his last gathering with his disciples? Why not an adventure, a camp out, a boat ride, a prayer service? Why share food? I believe there are many reasons, but I have a few thoughts I would like to share. Jesus loved to eat, and this series has shown us that he used meals to build relationships and to build community. Sharing a meal brings us together and shapes us into a group of people with common needs and experiences. He knew these disciples would need that community to survive and thrive in the midst of all that would happen. It can do the same for us as well. We all need food. There isn't a single human being that can go without food and survive, maybe for days or weeks, but not forever. Doing without food will lead to death. The fact that we need food to survive is a testament to our need for God and God's provision. We receive God's grace to us every time we eat. We can live without clothes or homes or cars or jewelry, but we cannot live without food. The fact that we can not only eat food, but can enjoy it is a testament to God's grace. Food is not just something we need to survive but it is truly a gift from God given to us for our enjoyment. When we share it together, we have the gift of sharing the same experience that helps us build relationships and community. Food is more than just what we taste and see. It is truly a means of grace to help us survive and thrive in this chaotic world. I thought about how the Israelites complained throughout their wilderness journey, always complaining about what they had or didn't have to eat, and how manna was so boring 
No meat, no vegetables, just this bread lying on the ground that tastes like honey day after day. Yet this bread was miraculous. It just showed up on the ground every morning, except the Sabbath. They had to trust in God and God's goodness to receive their daily bread just to survive in the wilderness. See, God had promised to take them to the land of milk and honey, and every single day they had a reminder of where they were headed. It gave them a foretaste of that land of milk and honey. But like the sinful human beings we are, <laughs> they took it for granted and complained. We do that too, right? See, unlike the Israelites in the wilderness, we have a wide array of food available to us. Yet how many times do we open the refrigerator and say, there's nothing to eat? Like in the Garden of Eden, we use food to express our disobedience and mistrust of God. We fail to fully appreciate the gift that food on our tables truly is. And who is the source of that food? See, we sometimes treat food as simply fuel for our bodies. We count calories and fat grams. We worry about every little thing we eat as though somehow we can control our lives by controlling what we eat. This can and does lead to eating disorders as people who feel their lives are out of control work to control the one thing they can, what they eat. We sometimes use food not as a gift, but as a source of comfort. Yes, I too like those foods we designate comfort foods, but do they really bring us comfort? When we turn to food as our source of comfort, are we not forgetting God and begin to rely on food instead of the God who provided it? We can also use food as a statement about who we are so we can fit in with the right trends of the day. You know, I eat all organic, non-GMO, animal cruelty-free, yada, yada, yada kind of food. We want to fit in, or maybe we're truly concerned for all those things, but do we stop and enjoy what we do eat? Praising God for the many food choices we have, or are we just trying to show the world an acceptable image that we're doing the right thing? See, it can become about making our own image instead of showing the world we are made in God's image. And then there's the lack of gratitude or how we don't even take the time to think about our eating and our food. How many times do we eat on the run with so many other distractions and not even notice what the food we just ate tasted like? How many times have we eaten a meal and can't even remember what we just ate? What do we do with the gift of our daily bread? Do we enjoy it? Are we thankful? Do we think about it at all? Or do we only notice when we don't have what we want? In the U.S., 42%, 42% of the population is considered obese. By definition, that means a body mass index or BMI of 30 or greater. And the BMI is the measurement of the height to weight ratio. How much you weigh compared to your height. Now, I know I fit into that category. Mine at the last check was over 30. So I'm talking to myself today. There are so many reasons why this is true. 
from overeating because of comfort, boredom, loneliness, lack of exercise, unhealthy life choices, and the sad truth that financially it's cheaper to eat foods that are unhealthy than those that are healthy. So many reasons. In, other, in some other countries, being large is a sign of your social status. The more food you have the ability to eat, the more wealthy or pow powerful you are. All that is said to show that we often abuse the gift of food that God has given us. He gave it for our enjoyment and to sustain life, but not to be used as an alternate object of worship, a source of comfort, a status symbol, or to wield power over others. And those are the ways we sin in our use of food. To get back to the Last Supper, Jesus shows us once again that we are to love one another, including our enemies, because all were welcome at his table, including Judas. He reminds us that food is not just fuel, but it holds within it the promises of God and God's coming kingdom. It's also spiritual food. When we share Holy Communion, is it just another piece of bread and a sip of juice, or does it hold the memory of what Christ has done for us? Does it hold the memory of that first Passover when God set his people free, and then later a reminder of the final Passover lamb that died for our freedom? Is this meal a reminder that we are all part of God's kingdom? that we share something amazing and wonderful, a meal in which Christ is present in a special way that gives us hope for the future and the love of God incorporated in the elements of bread and fruit of the vine. When we share this meal, it was given to us as a way to share the grace of God, to remind us that without Christ's life, without his death and his resurrection, we have no hope of God's promised future. This meal holds within it hope as we look to God's coming kingdom and the feast that God will set before all his children, those he will call from the east and the west, from the north and the south, all those who are called by his name, those who cannot be snatched from his hand or be overcome by the devil's schemes. John said, Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And in 6, 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This meal is the presence of Christ who dwells within us through faith. Every time we share this meal, it nourishes and strengthens us for our faith journey and reminds us of the true gift we have been given through Christ. Our redemption is embodied in this meal and everyone is invited to the feast to remember and to look forward to the future when there will be no more tears, no more suffering and war will be no more. But until then, we can remember every time we put food in our mouths that it is a gift. Give thanks for it all.
the beef, the chicken, the pudding, the ice cream, the green beans, and even the asparagus. Work to keep our use of food in its proper place in our lives. We don't need to use it for comfort, but we are meant to enjoy our food. We don't need to see it as a means of control, but we can eat foods that are good for our bodies. We don't need to eat everything, but we can remember to share what we have with others. And if you've lost the practice of saying grace or asking a blessing before your meals, consider restoring a time of saying thank you to God for the food we have been given. Maybe take a short moment to think about all that had to happen to get that food in your hands or on your table. Let Jesus be the one who brings together the spiritual nature of our food and the human physical need for it. He is the bread of heaven that has come down for the salvation of the world. As we take Holy Communion, remember the Passover, remember the Last Supper, and reflect with gratitude on what Christ has done for us. But also look forward with hope to that day when we will all feast at the Lord's table of grace. Look around and see that we all share this meal. It is an act of grace and we are in this together. As often as we eat this meal and drink this cup, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. Amen.